0: Cancer is the leading cause of disease-related death in teenagers and young adults in the Western world. This group are likely to live for decades following their chemotherapy and are at risk of longer-term side effects. I'm joined on the phone today by Saif Ahmad and Ajay Thankama, authors of this week's clinical review on the late effects of anti-cancer chemotherapy in teenagers and young adults, and also by Lily Anderson, a cancer survivor who has contributed to the review to talk more about what non-specialists can do to identify and manage potential problems. So Saif, Ajit and Lily, thank you all for joining me today. First, I think it would be really important for us to to know why the late effects of cancer chemotherapy are so important in this subgroup. Saif, perhaps this is one that you could answer.
1: Thank you, Sophie. Yes, almost two and a half thousand new cases of cancer occur in teenagers and young adults each year within the UK. And in fact, many of these patients go on to survive from their cancer because in this demographic... Many of the cancers are relatively curable, such as lymphoma or germ cell tumours. So although these patients survive their treatment, the main challenge they face going forwards are the long-term effects of their treatment. And these include significant effects that can occur from the chemotherapy they receive. And in TYA's, this issue is particularly important because, as mentioned, a lot of them go on to be cured of their, of their disease. And as they're diagnosed relatively young, they'll live for many, many years with the side effects of treatment and also the schedules of chemotherapy these patients receive are generally quite intensive and therefore have more side effects associated with them. So taking all that together this issue is is really important and awareness amongst non-specialists in the field such as GPs in particular can make a big difference. Hopefully clinicians can then pick up on issues early and intervene early
0: So which would you say the most common side effects that you see in your practice? Ajit, maybe that's one you could answer.
2: Um, The most common side side effects patients often say are one is fatigue. And it does vary from person to person. Some people will be extremely fatigued. uh, They could not do anything or they they don't even have any motivation to get out of their bed. And some people actually get on very well with the fatigue. So there is a different degree of fatigue. And the second side effect people often say is something to, be, to do with the neurocognitive dysfunction. It can be a number of things. Um, most people say that they have problems with the short-term memory. And, we often, and sometimes they may have problems in the attention, school performance, and things like that. And this is one of the common side effects which is being, which we know for some time, which has been called as the chemo brain or fussy brain, something like that. So these are the common two side effects they usually complain. Then there can be a number of issues like psychosocial issues, which, which is a huge complex array of problems where people are trying to fit into their normal life and they will be um, finding it often difficult to get back to normal life after being a patient. And um, then, then there are there are system-wise um, side effects which we highlighted in the article, as well as we gave some kind of guideline to see how to look out for these things and how we can identify these things early. But the main thing is, um, if somebody had a treatment for cancer when they were teenagers or young adults should have a very low threshold to listen to them and identify what exactly is their trouble and try to see whether we could help them in some way or other. other. Mm -hmm.
0: How do you suggest that non-specialists address these issues? What sort of questions should they be asking and how often should they be reviewing patients who've had chemotherapy within this age group?
1: So each GP practice may have perhaps one or maybe two patients who would fulfill this criteria. And I think an annual review, lifelong really, for any teenager and young adult who received chemotherapy for cancer would be really important because it can help to pick up on a range of these conditions. And it's very important that with a lot of these, that if there's an early diagnosis made, then early intervention can can make a big difference to quality of life and morbidity. So in terms of tips on how to approach uh, these kinds of consultations, given that there's such a broad range of late effects from chemotherapy, I think the most important thing is actually starting off with open questions, and trying to invite the patient themselves to to say what's troubling them most. But at the same time, we know that psychosocial issues are particularly prevalent in this Population, and so direct questions asking about depression, um, asking about financial difficulties—they're also very important. Particularly as the as things can be done to to improve these as well. And actually, it's it's often important to ask about the family as well, because it it can be difficult sometimes for parents or partners who are living with these um, survivors. And one thing you'll see in this review is also an infographic that details. Specific side effects related with specific drugs, such as with anthracyclines, which include doxorubicin and epirubicin, this is characteristically linked to ventricular failure. So if you know that a patient has had one of these drugs before, it's probably worth keeping that in mind and asking specific questions associated with that.
0: What sort of advice do you give to patients after they've finished their chemotherapy? Do you explain to them what sort of side effects might occur and, you know, that this might happen decades down the line? And What advice do you give them about how to present and when to present?
2: So you usually what we do once they finish chemotherapy, when they come for the last appointment, they might have some investigations. And that appointment is usually a multidisciplinary appointment, along with the clinicians who treated as well as the nurse specialist address what can be expected in coming years. And usually it is a very lengthy appointment to um, discuss all the various late side effects which can potentially come up in coming years. Um, And most of the time people will be more relieved if they have completed the treatment. So we will, so all the problems of late side effects will be revealed in the later appointment. However, this, we we kind of make an appointment, a touch base, mainly because of issues of fatigue, neurocognitive dysfunction, and psychosocial um, dysfunction, especially to do with um, the potential education and employment difficulties they may come across. And we usually try to sign for some of the financial assistance they might receive or which they are eligible to receive and how to apply for that. that. That would be... A starting point and as we go along with every appointment the once you finish treatment the earlier point the early two or three years the appointments are a bit quite frequent to find out mainly to see whether the tumor is coming back or not and also to address any potential problems as we get comfortable with the follow-up and there is no signs of tumor returning the follow-up will be less frequent Unfortunately, that's the time people will start getting all these late side effects so uh, it, in the in the current climate this is this is one of the challenges we face because in NHs, we are really good at um, looking after patients with illness, but um our current facilities to help them to get back to normal life they are mainly restricted by our resources. And this is one area, Um, there are a lot of initiatives in the UK as well as globally to identify individual problems of uh, long-term survivors and try to identify an individualized plan for them so that they can get back with their normal life.
0: Lily, I'd like to bring you in now to talk a bit about your experience of of chemotherapy. Not everybody who's listening will have read your patient's perspective, so I wondered if you could just give us a little summary of your diagnosis and your journey through your treatment.
3: Um, So I was diagnosed when I was 14 with Hodgkin's lymphoma,
1: stage
3: Mm -hmm. 4. I was treated with OEPA chemo um, and COP chemo. Mm-hmm. and then relapsed 6 months later after the end of my treatment and was treated with IEP ABVD and stem cell transplant
0: and what did you feel were the most important side effects that you experienced what what had the biggest impact for you
3: um probably the sickness i was mm-hmm. i was very very sick um lost a lot of weight in the first few weeks of my treatment and couldn't keep any food down and generally was in quite a lot of pain and mm. um I also got peripheral neuropathy. Right. Um and was pretty much I mean I was in a wheelchair for months and pretty much dependent on oromorph. Right.
0: Um,
3: which was quite um, quite grueling really, kind of getting back mm. from that and trying to build up Muscle strength after having all of that,
0: and this was all going on at the time that you were studying at school and approaching your GCSEs.
3: Yeah, so mm. I actually missed my GCSEs because I was in isolation mm-hmm. um, during my stem cell transplant. Luckily, I have a a great school and they allowed me to continue to A levels anyway. Mm-hmm. But I still missed about a year and a half of study at school, so yeah i'm going to university a year later than all of my friends Mm -hmm.
0: and how did you cope with the the fatigue that that all of this stress put on you and you know the chemotherapy the side effect and also just you know having to deal with everything that was going on
3: i think i'm still trying to cope with the fatigue Uh, i think it's quite a difficult thing to cope with you kind of just have to learn to listen to your body that's what they Mm -hmm. tell you and to uh do you know as much exercise you know as much gentle exercise as you can and it's difficult Mm -hmm. to kind of be normal everyone says go back to normality but it's different to be normal when kind of you have all of these late effects that are still very much a part of your your life and daily activities
0: Mm. have you found any any sort of of your own tips or strategies that have helped with the fatigue? Are there any sort of things you've learned from experience that you think would be helpful for doctors to be able to tell patients?
3: Well, I just think it is very much about the individual and listening to what your body is doing. I know it's Mm. it's very hard to trust your body after it's kind of betrayed you by having cancer, but um, I think it very much... Is about, you know, if you're feeling exhausted, then listen to that. Don't push yourself, don't, because it will make things worse.
0: I know that in the review, uh, Saif and, and Ajit talk about concentrate, well, sort of concentration and co- cognitive sides and side effects. So perhaps not feeling sort of as you did before. Have you, have you found that that's been an issue for you as you've been studying? Yeah, and
3: we call it okay. chemo brain.
0: Chemo brain, okay. Okay. Um,
3: Basically everything seemed quite not fuzzy, but it's it's hard to remember things, hard to concentrate. So when I was when I went back to school after chemotherapy I um, I would be reading textbooks or homework and I would read one page and I'd turn the page and I wouldn't have taken in any of what I read and I was okay. it was so frustrating trying to kind of keep up with everyone and kind of get back to my my standard of learning when yeah. I couldn't like my mind was like a sieve everything kind of just fell right through it and I was I was tired I was like I couldn't grasp concepts properly um reading even was difficult because I'm a literature student and I love okay books but I mean I used to read a book a day but I kind of after a while it would just kind of Everything would just muddle together, and I wouldn't be able mm. to continue.
0: And how did you how did you manage that? I mean, that must have been very frustrating for you, Lily. Given given your passion for reading, things how did you overcome that problem?
3: Um, I would say that I didn't. I just waited okay. for it to go away. I didn't really mm-hmm. understand it until people started. You know, I met more and more people who had been through the same thing, and they were calling it chemo brain. And I was suddenly mm-hmm. like wait, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Like, I just thought it was kind of my incompetency rather than an actual side effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And up until them talking to me about it, I didn't really register it as kind of something that could be helped or something that could be managed. I just thought that I just needed to try harder.
0: Ajith, Lily mentioned that she didn't realise her symptoms were normal following chemo. Is that a common reaction in patients? That is,
2: that is, that is one of the most important issues in terms of identifying long-term side effects. Many many people, long-term surveyors, keep all the side effects they notice to themselves and they're kind of partially blaming them for not putting enough effort. I have come across a number of situations people say that, oh, it is my problem, I'm not trying enough. What they need to realize that is not because one is not trying enough. Whatever they try in certain situations, it is is not going to help. It's just like what the brain wants to do. The body is not obeying to that. Um, So main thing what I would say is that it is nothing to do with any of the survivors trying or not trying. It is part of the spectrum. Don't feel yourself... Uh, guilty or ashamed to bring up all these issues you are facing so that we may be able to help you to deal with some of those issues to some extent.
0: So if we think specifically about fatigue and chemo brain, what causes that and what can be done for these patients?
2: In a short answer, we don't know exactly what is causing this. We think it is a combination of various factors some of the um, hormonal treatment which adult patients receive, they also say the same sort of thing. So it is not just the chemotherapy. So any any cancer treatment which is taken systemically can affect neurocognitive function. Since we don't know the exact cause for this neurocognitive dysfunction, unfortunately, we don't have an exact solution for that either. However, things like when people complain about neurocognitive dysfunction, we look into, we need to uh, rule out disease-related side effects which we may be able to find a solution. Coming to the fatigue side, we know from a number of studies and few meta analyzes which have been published. And the studies suggest that some sort of structured exercise, even like a brisk walking for 10 to 20 minutes, two or three times a day, they actually make things much better rather than simply taking rest. So the current recommendation for management of fatigue is um, incorporate a structured exercise in the daily routine. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you walk, run, or swim, whatever you feel enjoyable, that's what helps people to address the issue of fatigue. And... Then the other thing which has been studied is um, psychological support, mainly in the form of uh, cognitive behavior therapy. As Lily has highlighted, uh, both exercise and the cognitive behavior therapy has helped her to deal with the fatigue and stress which she was facing when she was trying to get the degree.
0: I mean... From your experience, Lily, really, you mentioned in your perspective how useful you found the Teenage Cancer Trust. Um, what what sort of support and advice did they offer that you that you found beneficial?
3: So the Teenage Cancer Trust offer counsellors um, and youth support coordinators. And basically the best thing that they do is they bring all the young people together mm-hmm. for events and for um, activities. And they kind of, they encourage you to just be part of this kind of cancer club mm-hmm. where you can talk about all these side effects that you wouldn't be able to talk about with, you know, people your own age who haven't been through it. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's really amazing to kind of actually find that other people are feeling the exact same way. And also they do a conference called find your sense of tumor. Um, which gives seminars on how to deal with fatigue, how to deal with fertility issues, how to deal with um things like peripheral neuropathy it's really it's amazing to be with all these other cancer survivors and just learn how to manage your disease and the after effects,
0: yeah. That's really interesting and I think that's certainly something which non-specialists will be interested to hear about. Um, it sounds like that is a really good avenue for information for, for both patients and also health professionals as well who, who might not be used to dealing with people with these types of problems. Yeah,
3: definitely.
0: Are there important tips or sort of bits of information you think it would have been really helpful for perhaps your doctors or nurses to, to have known? Maybe things you've picked up through going to some of these seminars. What would you say, you know, it's really important for us as health professionals to be able to, to, to convey to patients who are sort of newly diagnosed and going through chemo?
3: Um, I think the most important thing that I learned is that if you're worried about something, you know, push to find answers. Don't mm. feel intimidated um, and don't feel stupid, if it's, even if it's a small thing, even if you're worried about a particular side effect. If you're scared about something, you know. I, I think all patients should push to kind of find answers and, you know, find even prevention techniques mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, just be really aware of what the risks are and what, what they're kind of, what the side effects are. And I think it's better to be educated rather than find out afterwards and kind of have the the shock and the kind of anger of being of being in the dark.
0: Mm. That's good advice. Um, and Saif, what about you? What would you say your your sort of your take home messages from from doing this review and sort of what, what do you want what do you want non specialists to, to take away from this?
1: So one of the main messages would be that when seeing these patients to have a really low threshold of suspicion for conditions such as second cancer or cardiovascular disease. Because although it might be quite common to see a 20 or 30 year old presenting with non-specific chest pain, or a lump and bump which turns out to be innocuous, these patients do have a significantly increased risk of developing these complications. So it's just really worth bearing that in mind. And the other main point is that the psychosocial effects in these individuals can really be debilitating and have a huge, huge, huge effect on their quality of life. And so looking out for these and asking preemptively about depression, for instance, or financial difficulties, that can make a big difference because there are things out there that can that can hopefully help these patients. And actually just someone acknowledging them, I'm sure, can also make a, a big difference. And finally, infertility can be a consequence of many chemotherapy drugs. And therefore any teenager or young adult about to undergo treatment should be referred urgently to fertility preservation services. And it's really important that this is done as quickly as possible because in some cases they may not be able to have treatment because there's not enough time before they receive their chemotherapy. So for me, those would be the, the most important points
0: great and Ajit, what about you anything else that you would like to add
1: i think i think one of the
2: main thing is it's um at the moment we got around 35000 paa survivors in this country they all have their own unique set of problems when they're trying to get on with their life but at the moment we don't one is we don't we are still studying how to um make a definite aftercare plan to incorporate or these people into the society and help them to achieve their maximum potential and that is where we are still struggling mainly because of the resources we need to have some sort. this is not a issue connected with the hospitals or health care this is the tvs survivorship issue is it's connected to the hospitals social care as well as and um, community care so it's it need a A complete change of direction in terms of things we used to do in the past where we try to treat patients in the clinic and send them back to home but this is thing is that the cancer care does not stop at the end of treatment cancer care it goes on it's like a chronic illness we need to deal with this as a chronic illness and from time to time people need extra help and we need to have a system to identify these things and help them out unfortunately Um, we need a bit more initiatives and mostly we need um, investment in this area.
0: You've been listening to Saif Ahmed, Vankama Ajith Kumar and Lily talk about the long-term effects of chemotherapy on cancer survivors. If you want to know more and see the infographic that Saif mentioned, which helps to explain the agent-specific side effects, then have a look for their article, Anti-Cancer Chemotherapy in Teenagers and Young Adults Long-Term Effects, which is now available on the bmj.com.